Welcome to Grow Opportunity, the podcast, featuring conversations with Canadian cannabis industry experts. This podcast addresses numerous facets of the commercial cannabis marketplace, from plant health and cultivation to testing, extraction, and distribution. Visit growopportunity.ca to subscribe to our print and digital media platform. This episode is brought to you by Preroller. You can now get the best pre-roll machine on the market at 0% interest on a 36-month lease. Visit preroller.com for more details. That's preroll-er.com for details. Hello and welcome to Grow Opportunity, the podcast. I'm your host, Haley Nagasaki. I'm the editor of Grow Opportunity magazine. And today we have a wonderful guest here. We have Kyra Horvath who is the master grower, founder, and COO of Pineapple Buds in all over BC. So Kyra, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Hey, Haley. I'm doing really good. Thank you for asking me to be a part of this. Um, I think it's really, really cool that we get to connect on like a deeper level and we get to share this with uh, everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. I've, uh, I've been watching you guys from afar. This is the first time we've actually sat down to chat. So I'm excited about that. Um, seen you at a few events and some uh, panels. So I'd love to hear about, uh, you know, the trajectory of uh, your experience in the industry. But yeah, I guess let's let's start at the top. How did how did you get into cannabis in the first place? So the way that I got into cannabis is actually through my partner, Lane. We've been together now for probably about 11 years. I think we kind of like start to forget the years after a bit. Amazing. Um, but it was actually his mom that had started out in cannabis. She was going through, you know, a bit of a difficult time financially, and it was through her learning how to grow that really facilitated her to get through some financial troubles that she was dealing with. And then when, uh, Lane had figured out what it is that his mom was actually doing, he really took that in and started to develop it into something that could be an aspiring business. Um, so yeah, naturally, uh, I became incorporated into it at the time I was going to uh, university in Calgary and I played on the women's varsity soccer team there. Um, uh, after my second year, I went through an, an ACL tear and trying to really recover and get back into playing, uh, at that at college level was, a little bit more challenging for me. So I really had to decide what it is that I wanted to do, which was completing my degree. And then after soccer and, and sports, what it is I wanted in life. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Very nice. So I guess, did you, were you using cannabis prior to your, your accident or was that something that you started to incorporate into your, you know, your daily wellness routines for healing or how did that happen? I wasn't using it prior Uh, in the like U sport division. They actually were testing for that at the time. Um, So no, there was no usage during, but after I was done sports, uh, I was left with like an ACL reconstruction and trying to figure out how to heal that. Um, So yeah, cannabis became a part of, of that program afterwards. And it wasn't always like, for pain relief, you know, sometimes it was like topical and, and different things like that, that were, was like pain relief. Yeah, gotcha. And um, I guess too, with with Lane's mother, your your husband's mother, did you, was there anything that you took away from her cultivation practices? You know, I don't know if there's anything like specific that you recall, whether it was like soil or just, you know, any of her or methods that you've taken with you? Oh, Absolutely. 
It's so funny. Uh, we we just did a prune on Monday. And so we had a crew of seven come in. And it used to be actually me that would do like pretty much most of the pruning in, in our facility. Um, but we've started to incorporate bringing people in. And every single time that I bring people in and I train them, the first thing that like comes to mind is everything that like Lane's mom taught me. And one of the funniest things, we obviously grow in water now, but when we first started out, uh, it was soil. And his mom is really into feng shui. And so I remember I went to go in and water the plants and she was like, no, you cannot like water it in a zigzag. You have to go in figure eights. We have to have the right feng shui for the plants. <laughs> so, that's like definitely one of my best memories. Um, and it's, it's always, she's always in the back of my mind of like, okay, how is it that she would do this? And um, how do I, you know, like incorporate the methods of what other people have done into evolving and now us being able to use science and read up on it and buy books on it and like all these different things that weren't available to people at the time we now have at our fingertips that's so cool i love that i love the uh the using of uh instead of straight lines for watering this like circular motion that's really cool um yeah. so I, I can definitely see how that might play into the the feng shui of it um cool so how when did you get your license when did you guys how old is pineapple it was 2021 when we actually became licensed but we uh, started the process of the building in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, so it was actually really, really cool. The building was it was completely open and it's 10,000 square feet, really open. And uh, we're on the Soyuz Indian band. So we were able to negotiate a really good lease. They were super open to cannabis on the property and like us really having the free will to do what we saw with the building for our vision. And so, yeah, we built out uh, 7,500 square feet immediately for cultivation space. And then we left the remaining 2,500 because at some point we knew that we would want to go into processing, but we wanted to leave that open just to see like as the business evolved, what kind of space it is that we would need or like how our needs might change for different, for different uh, rooms and stuff. So. Mm -hmm, mm hmm. That's smart. So you receive your cultivation license and now you have your processing license and you're working on extraction. Is that correct? Yes. So uh, cultivation was 2021 and then uh, processing we received April 2023 and uh, ended 2023. Uh, I put in the application for the uh, sales amendment for extraction. So we're just going through the process of RMIs right now with Health Canada and uh, we would like to be able to add infused pre-rolls to our uh, our menu of items to purchase. Great. Great. Where um, where are you selling right now? Uh, so we are in BC and we sell through both direct delivery and central. And then Ontario, uh, they just received their shipments two days ago. And so that should be listed here for sale right away for Ontario retailers. Amazing. And how many SKUs do you have in total? I guess like both provinces. Probably BC, we're at eight. Nice. Uh, and then Ontario, we have two general listings. And then in the springtime, uh, we were approved for two more general listings. So we'll have a total of four in Ontario coming up. Excellent. And what kind of cultivars are you selling? So in BC, we have uh, four cultivars. So we have our 
Candy Kush, which is the most recent one that we put out, we have our pineapple haze and the formats for for those are three and a half sevens and a pack of 10 pre-rolls. Then we have our Purple Gushers, which won the Karma Cup in 2023. Awesome. So for that format, we have a three and a half, a seven and a pack of 10 pre-rolls. And uh, our last few that we have in BC is the Volcanic Haze pre-rolls. And that's a blend between our Haze and our Gushers, which is kind of a funny story through like product trials and making all we make all of our pre-rolls in-house and it was like a huge learning curve when you go from like cultivating you know you, you have your processes and you know what it is that you need to do but you go into processing and you're like we want to try to make our own pre-rolls in-house we want to know what it is that our inputs are going on and we want to make sure that you know the stem is being removed the leaf is being removed and that the grind is exactly how we want it. We just wanted that control. Uh, and we accidentally at one point had put both of the, like in like the trial batches, uh, we put both of the skews together. And through that, we were like, wow, that's actually really good. Like the flavor combination of both together is really tasty. So then we decided to list a, a blended skew with the LDB. Awesome. And is it, is it doing well? It is doing really well. It's a different format. So that's a, that's a three pack of 0.5. So, you know, obviously um, the larger formats you have at lower price point, you can move a lot more. So right. your, your smaller formats, higher price, there's going to be like a difference in sales, but I've been really happy with it so far. Cool. What's uh, what's your personal favorite? I love that question. <laughs> okay. So my personal favorite definitely was the Gushers. But one of the strains that we like previously had worked with was our Hawaiian pineapple and the color on it is just incredible. It would finish with like a pinky red. And to me, like that, that like coloring really translated in the flavor. Like it was super sweet, but not like too sweet. It was like kind of a chocolatey white chocolate mm. um, with a little bit of sweetness. It was, it was just incredible. My absolute favorite and that is something that we're going to be bringing back in 2024. So I have very high hopes and I'm excited to compare the Gushers with the Hawaiian pineapple. Very nice. Is that, does that have anything to do with the, the origin of the name of the company, Pineapple Buds? Yes, it definitely does. Uh, so how we got the company name, I went on a vacation with like one of my closest friends. Uh, she called me up one day. And she was like, Kyra, do you want to come to Hawaii with me? And I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> but like, I have all of the commitments of the facility. And she's like, well, you can't just get away for a week. And I was like, well, you know, like farming is not like yeah. where you can just like book off time. So I talked to Lane and I was like, Lane, like, I think this is like a trip of a lifetime. I really want to do this. Like, can we make it work? And he's like, yeah, for sure. Like, I'll make sure that everything's dealt with at the farm like you go off. So mm -hmm. I jump on this plane and like the place that we're staying at is just like magnificent. And one of the days we go to um, the Dole Whip farm. And one of the like coolest experiences that I had was that like everybody carried these pineapples in like these little um, containers. So it was like, there was their four pineapples that they bought from the farm and they like were taking them home. Like they were doing all these different things. And I was like, could you imagine being able to translate like that type of a tourism to the Canadian cannabis? Mm -hmm. 
and like people being able to go around with like the really cool containers like showcasing that they just got their pineapples fresh from the farm and I I came back and Lane's like we have to decide on a company name nice. and it's like I absolutely love that integration because that's where I want to see the Canadian cannabis industry go to. And I guess too, being in Oliver, you're in wine country. So it's kind of conducive to that. Like there's already tons of tourism in there. So I feel like that that definitely in the future can translate for your vision. Yeah, definitely. I I was a little bit like, I don't know where Oliver is. And then <laughs> the first time we drove out to the area, it was incredible. The, yeah. the amount of small wineries. It's not like it's just all like really big um corporate owned wineries like we're talking about family farm wineries that they just have you know small little like stop in spots where you can come in and try their wine and some of like the best wine I've been able to try is from like these really like small mom paw shops and to be able to do that with cannabis would be absolutely incredible yeah that makes a lot of sense how big is your team right now is it just the two of you guys yes <laughs> wow holy smokes eh that's awesome. Good for you. Um, yes and no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, Lane and I that deal with like all of the day-to-day -day operations of stuff at the facility. Um, we bring in contract workers. Uh, since we're in Oliver, things yeah. are a little bit more remote. Like it's hard to expect, you know, people that live in the area that can just translate into, you know, knowing how to prune, knowing how to trim. A lot of the like, uh, tasks that take time and effort for people to learn. So our crew comes in from Kelowna and usually like we'll book them in for a week and we deal with like their travel and their hotel and stuff so that they can just come in every day. We do 12 hour days and just get everything that we need to get done knocked out. And then they get to go back to Kelowna and things are quiet again around here. Cool. What's uh, what's the cadence of that? Is that like how many times a year are you doing that? Um. Well, with how like quickly things have been ramping up uh we bring out the crew probably like uh for two weeks out of the month oh wow crazy yeah that's good for you and so I guess you're overseeing QA then right I am not the main QA we have like uh, our QA doesn't live in the area they just come in um occasionally I'm the mm -hmm. QA so in a way yes like I'm here every day. So I get to see it, what things are going on and making sure that the paperwork and all of the tracking um, follows that. But I know uh, I don't sign off on the batches. Gotcha. Okay. Um, it, what are, what are some of the challenges you've seen in QA just out of curiosity? Cause I know that that's something that we're definitely focusing on this year and, and uh, doing a lot of work around. Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, can I ask what, what like spearheaded you guys to want to like dive into the QA side? Um, I guess just just listening to the industry and um, we're we're um, we're going to be releasing a survey that has uh, it's like a business report. So we want to kind of get um, a bit of, a, you know, a little sample size and just see what's what some of the main challenges are. And um, because it, I know that it's so encompassing, like it's packaging, it's it's, you know, every all the inputs, all the outputs, like just just absolutely everything, the um, microbials and, and stuff like that for export. I know you're not necessarily in the export market. You're more focused in Canada, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Um, but I, I guess just like, yeah, just the size of the, the QA responsibility and the fact that that position is a bit of a revolving door from what I hear. So like, we just want to, we want to get more of a, an idea, you know, get a pulse on that. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that that's actually like a really good point because it's also one of the jobs that like people don't necessarily see as important. So like mm -hmm. from, from a perspective of like never being in a facility, just purchasing the product 
you know, like to actually be in the facility and see the amount of work and the responsibility that's placed on a QA. So Mm -hmm. when you talk about like a revolving door, people having to come in and come out like um, for security clearance and the like the paperwork that goes with, you know, a QA leaving and another one coming in. And then how do you make sure that your reporting is still matching and overlapping? Yeah. You may have somebody that has like a different perception of, you know, how batches should be labeled, how, you know, all these different types of things. That's actually a really good point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's complex and it's something that I don't know a ton about. So it's always interesting to hear from different uh, different facilities on that topic. Um, yeah. But yeah, I want to talk about the Canadian market and and your your um, your investment in it and why that you why you're passionate about staying in Canada. Yeah, the Canadian. So it was one of those really hard things for us to look at when we wanted to add a processing license, uh, because obviously naturally with adding processing that gave us access to sell in Canada. But at the time, export was like just taking off. Like export was kind of always one of those things that people knew about and talked about, but it was like, oh, well, the big companies are doing export. And when we were yeah going through our processing license, it was like actually a lot, a lot of smaller companies were uh, starting to look into processing or sorry, into export. And we had to decide kind of as a company in which way it is that we wanted to really pivot. Uh, Export kind of scares me in some regards. Um, It's not necessarily that I think it's a bad thing. It's just, it's just not something that really would interest us. When I think about like the Canadian market and what it is and what we've also been through since 2018, like it has not been an easy experience. Mm -hmm. It's been like, really in the trenches and trying to navigate right not only like the heavy regulations of things but being an advocate and changing those so that other groups that do want to come into it can have an easier time or or we can lay the groundwork for what it is that those groups should do in order to get into the licensing so yeah Canadian market is definitely where we want to stay in Uh, we want to support our Canadian retailers just as much as like cultivation and LPs have been put through the ringer. Retailers have also like had a really, really tough time mm-hmm. uh, navigating to make a business that has, you know, consistent revenue coming in and everybody being able to get a piece of the pie. So if we can do our part in not only like helping LPs, but also help, like being there for retailers and making sure that there's good quality product on the shelves that they can like stand behind and sell um, is really where our focus is. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That's a, that's an awesome answer. Thank you for that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your cultivation as well, because I know that you said you started in soil, but then you went over to hydroponics. So just, I guess, your experience there and and if you want to like shout out any of the equipment or nutrients or anything like that that you're using. Yeah, definitely. So we, my, well, I shouldn't say we, my mother-in-law, she's the one who started in soil and um, she loved fish. So a part of feng shui is always fish. And so she would always have like the fish tank water and scoop that into the soil. And oh. it, was, it was really, really, yeah, I mean, very preliminary. But at the time it was like how much like the plants would jump when you would have that. So uh, what, one of the first, you know, facilities that uh, Lane and I were a part of uh, and Lane was a founder of uh, was on his farm. And through that, that they navigated growing with fish. And uh, so, yeah, that's like naturally how we went from soil to it would be considered like deep water culture. Now, with our facility, we still do grow uh, deep water culture just without the fish component. 
And uh, we wanted to design it so that it was really, really simple. Uh, when we were actually going through the stages and we had some of our HVAC groups out here, they thought it was so cool that we were going back to like hydro because they said back in the day, everybody grew in hydro. It wasn't until, first of all, like they they had like higher electric bills, but also um, they couldn't maintain the water temperature. So the moment that the water temperature started to get warm, the microbial would build up and the roots wouldn't do really well. But they always said that like in the winter when the water was cooler, their growth rates were through the roof. Hmm. And that was really one of the reasons why we chose to stay with hydro. Um, the growth rates have always been really, really like strong for us. The plant vigor, um, maintenance is a huge thing. Transplanting out of soil is very time consuming. Lane mm -hmm. uh, and I mostly just being in here, it, we wouldn't really have the time to transplant. So it was, what could we do that the plants go in, they stay, they grow for the entire lifetime and then they get cut down with as little as maintenance required. So uh, yeah, deep water culture has been our choice of method. We pretty much designed the system, but for nutrients that we used, uh, it's undercurrent. So they have like a full lineup of everything that you'll need from start to finish. Some of the equipment that we've used in the building, Canadry, their HVAC units, really, really like those. Um, we have HPS lights. Obviously, we want to like continue to switch to LEDs. So we have about, we have one room that's like fully outfitted with LEDs. But as we like have more cash flow come in, we're going to continuously change out our HBS for LEDs. Very nice. And uh, just just when you mentioned the water temperature, it made me think of the fact that you're you're in the Okanagan. It's hot, forest fire. Like, is there any climate issues that you've experienced um, have like a direct impact on any of your crops or anything like that or being able to regulate things? I know it's indoor, but still. No, you're right. That's a really good point. So in our system, the reason why it's called um, circulating is because it's coming in and then it's going out. So our uh, water chillers are outside of our building. Because of the amount of water that we have coming through, there's no way we could like host that large of a water chiller in our building. Right. So summertime, it's really, it's not really a problem. Obviously, it's like really hot here, but the water chiller works really, really well just to keep things cool. Wintertime, it always depends like how cold it gets. We're pretty fortunate, Oliver, like it's not really, really cold, like minus 15 max. But once you start to hit that like minus 20 minus 25 you have to be a lot more like precautionary and making sure that the water chillers don't freeze up in the middle of the night or you know those types mm -hmm. of um but yeah other than that it's been like a really nice easy system for us to navigate it does take time to learn it's not one of those things where it's like you know you just put plants in you go okay this is this is great it's going it, it takes a lot of like it's kind of like a family recipe you know, it's like it takes the tweaking and the modification. But once you have that recipe, you just have to continuously follow it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's super cool. And also, of course, um, I don't think we've mentioned this like out loud, but your husband is indigenous. Um, you're obviously a woman, you're a young woman. So how is that, um, you know, that that dynamic or that um, identity um, like if not affected, but informed your your career in cannabis? That's a really, really good question. You know, it was one of those things that like him and I never really realized. Like, hmm. it, it, and I think this probably comes from like a, a prior history. Like it, you just didn't speak about what it is that you were doing. Like you kept that very close. You kept that like very tight. 
And so when we like immersed ourselves in the legal market, it was like, what are the things that like make us different? Like, why is it that like people would want to have your product over somebody else's? And obviously craft is a huge part of that. But one of the like reflections that both Lane and I had is um, our age. If we think about like Lane's mom, you know, kind of being the first generation and then Lane's like the second generation growing, like things it is that she would have done are not necessarily things that we would done. Like we put like almost a millennial twist on it. So how we grow is like for the things it is that we think that we would like to consume. So we like the flavors. We love the beautiful colors, like being able to have buds that are, have the purple, the reds, the pinks, you know, all of these different colors running through is something that we love. And we want, we would think that like consumers also our age would, would love um, to speak on being a female in the industry. I don't think, you know, you kind of hear stories of, that are unfortunate of what happened to women. I don't think that I, well, I don't have necessarily those same stories. It is kind of funny when you bring in like certain contractors to work, there is definitely assumptions that because I'm young, I don't know what I'm doing. Or right. if we go through in a prune, they go, oh, well, I don't know if she really knows what it is that they're talking about. And it's funny because it's just like, it's a change in technique. Like back in the day, you would leave a lot more leaf. You would leave a lot more like, underneath foliage and now like we we would well it's called lollipopping so it's like you go really high up and you're really only leaving your tops and you're pulling off all your leaves so that's a huge different like change in pruning technique mm -hmm. and that's something that I think is like I would say like I would associate to our younger generation cool yeah I like that you're you're speaking to the younger the younger crowd that's not only consuming um but also that are you know up and coming growers and stuff like that so and obviously you've got you know you've got a big following on social and um you're you know you're active in the community so I definitely think that there's there is a, a demographic that's listening and is very receptive uh, to what you're producing and, and your message so it's, it's I love it <laughs> thank you mm -hmm. um yeah so anything else you want to add or anything you've learned or just anything you you want to you want to discuss your soapbox Oh, goodness. I feel like there's so many different things. <laughs> I would say like continuously trying to uh, keep the BC market fed. When we first started out, like we didn't know really how much volume BC could consume. There's a ton of amazing um, growers in BC and there's a ton of like really good products available. So it was like, really how much of that pie is it that consumers would want of ours? And we were really happy with how quickly all of our products sold out and the consistency of sales. So for us, we want to maintain that really good relationship with BC and making sure that they're really well fed. And then also continuing to add on provinces as we go and as we grow. So Ontario is a really important one for us. In the summertime when we had product there, uh, the reaction that we had from retailers it was absolutely incredible. It was really heartwarming. It's one of those things that when we're in the building, like we don't always have like that, that social outlet with retailers of, to know what it is that's going on. But when they send us messages and they're like, how do we get more of this? When is this coming back? Like, can you send me when it's available? Because I want to buy it right away. It's probably like an understated, like 
it makes us so heartwarmed to know that people want our product and they want to be there to support us. So I would just like say thank you to everybody that has supported us and continues to support us. It means a lot more than I think what people know. And it continues to like drive us to put the long hours in and, you know, some of the things that like are exhausting. It just gives us that ambition to keep going. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Is that, is that sort of like Instagram DM territory? Like I know a lot of tenders and people will reach out and they'll have um, relationships with some of the, the growers and the brands and stuff like that. Is that something that you've experienced? Totally. Instagram. Nice. DMs, I, I love them. Like I'll be in the room working and, you know, I'll come out for just like a little bit of water and we have a message and it just is like, oh, okay. Well, that was really, really sweet. That made my day. Like I feel really good going back into the room and like finishing off the prune or, you know, whatever it is that we have going on for that day. It, it's really nice. And it's something that we never had before. Like you never discussed what it is that you had like previously, and you never really knew the end consumer. You never knew any of these things. And now we get to have like direct one-on-one relationships, which is really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and, and it's definitely sort of like a smart marketing technique, but that's not, I'm getting the sense how you approach it. You're approaching it more, more genuine. And it's just sort of like a, a part of your day that really, you know, brings, um, you know, just gives meaning to, to what you're doing and to kind of keeps that fire going for you. So that's, it's really nice. You're, you're, you're obviously quite humble, perhaps a little modest, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Thank you so much, Kyra. Um, this is, this has been a really great conversation. I'm, I, I remember you gave me a dupe and I don't remember which one it was at the, we briefly ran into each other at grow up in Victoria, yeah. but yeah, that was awesome. So I'm excited to try more of your, more of your product. Is it coming to Alberta by chance? Cause that would be, that would be nice. <laughs> you know, we are definitely working on it. It's, the security clearance in Alberta that takes forever. Oh yeah. So uh, Alberta's crazy for pre-rolls and guess what? We love, we make all of our pre-rolls in house. So we love to put out the pre-rolls. So Alberta's like, honestly, a natural next market for us. Beautiful. That's good to hear. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today and uh, I hope to see you soon. And yeah, thanks. Thanks so much, Kara. Thank you, Haley. Thank you for tuning in today. If you haven't already, check out our latest issue on growopportunity.ca where you might also subscribe to our weekly e-newsletter. Be sure to give us a follow on social. And again, I'm your host, Haley Nagasaki. We'll see you next time.